Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Alright, welcome to Out of the Blue, the podcast that knows that life comes at you fast, but Cam McGrone comes at you much faster. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of MazeandBrew.com. Andy, you borderline comic book caricature of a Depression-era coal miner. How the hell are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm still relishing in victory, my good sir. How are you? Uh, the exact same, my friend, the exact same. A win is a win is a win by an inch or a mile. Vin Diesel taught me that. So, uh, yeah, took it a couple days off of work, went and enjoyed myself in the mountains, and now getting back to the real world. Yeah, the real world's just overrated. Like, I'm still just, you know, just watching tape of this game and just not forgetting how sweet it feels. This week's gone by so fast when the Wisconsin, when the week after Wisconsin felt like it took so long. Every week after a Michigan loss takes approximately six weeks, but I don't go back after those weeks and consume any college football. But after this week, man, I've been watching some Iowa tape and enjoying that. How often do you watch tapes after a win versus after a loss? Honestly, like the older I get, I feel like I watch losses more like I'm going to like crack the code. Like I have some kind of right. something to change. But Wisconsin tape didn't watch too much. This one, no, I just feel like I constantly go back and just look for the little nuance of players like the Quiddy Pays the Mike Dannas of the world, just little things I didn't pick up on the like defensive line and offensive line especially. Yeah, that's very true, and there's probably more to be gleaned from a loss than a victory at times, so I should get in the habit of doing that. But, 
did go back and watch this one a couple times, and I enjoyed watching the tape. It was a defensive masterpiece, and that's uh, that's right up my alley. Uh, you miss two field goals if you make those. It's 16-3, to and people aren't maybe harping on the offense as much. Uh, that being said, though, I mean, the defense, once again, was just a masterpiece. So uh, maybe not the statue for Don Brown until we see what happens against Ohio State, but maybe we can, like, name a conference room after him or something. Yeah, I mean, no matter what we say about Don Brown, when we get upset after Ohio State last year, we said some outlandish things about Don Brown. And one, never take anything too much from a bad performance. It has just been the model of consistency since 2016 with Don Brown. His fourth season there, just learning so much that he can adjust, he's aggressive, and more often than not, Don Brown's always right. (laughs) Like, at the end of the day, he's always right, and He had these players in position to succeed besides running press man coverage on third and 20 and deep in their own territory. He always adjusts and makes the right calls, right reads thrown in zone when they're not ready for it. All these exotic, beautiful blitzes. No, Don Brown's a master and will forever know more than we ever will. This is a fact, and that's a very good point about the exotic blitzes because, yeah, he was dialing them up from all over the place. He was bringing speed with McGrone, Hudson, uh, Glasgow coming in there. It just, and it, Iowa had no answer for it, and that was against some NFL guys there. So uh, it was interesting. I saw the other day, and this was on Twitter, which take that for what it's worth because we all know Twitter is awful. Uh, it was a poll on who fans had more confidence in, Josh Gaddis versus Don Brown, and it was essentially neck and neck. And I found that to be surprising because there hasn't been anything like we have no track record with Josh Gaddis to believe that, you know, he'll bounce back and we should have faith in him. Whereas Don Brown has shown time and time again that he can adjust against 97% of our opponents. Don Brown gets it done. And yeah, he's just the master, man. Don Brown is the best defensive coordinator Michigan has ever had. Four seasons now. We're going into the fourth season of just pure dominance. And whenever he gets burnt, he always comes back stronger. Always, especially against that opponent. There is no track record of Josh Gaddis bouncing back. He's never been a play caller. Don Brown's been calling this defense for four years and is still just as sharp as ever. I'm not ready to say that he always gets it figured out. Remember when we were texting that we thought he'd get figured out at the half against Ohio? Oh, not, not at the half. He always figures it out when he refaces that opponent, and he has. All right, well, talk to me in late November, and I'll let you know how I officially feel on that. But... On Saturday, uh, certainly nothing to complain about. You mentioned those third down conversions early in the game. He showed some flexibility there um, and went to man coverage. They were all over the quarterback, which was surprising to me. I'll admit I was wrong about that. And uh, just top to bottom, it's very difficult to pick players out of this one because, I mean, pretty much everybody that started had a great game. Yeah, every starter on that defense was great. Even the second teamers that were coming in. I say second teamers very loosely, such as like the Vincent Grays, the Dax Hill, the other package players is a better term for it. But Mike Dana stepped right in and played extreme low, his best game. Everybody on this defense was just tremendous. The take like Michigan's defensive player of the game was the entire defense, rightfully so. Just dominated, smothering. I think this defense is – all of Don Brown's success is predicated on speed on defense, and Cam McGrone brings that in the middle, and that's what they were lacking without Devin Bush there. He's much faster than Josh Ross, may not have the just game IQ yet, but he's quickly developing and just playing more physical than he ever has. 
Yeah, I'm trying to ease my Cam McGrone hype, and you're not helping me there. But uh, he brings so much to that defense with that speed. You absolutely nailed it right there. And the other guy, Dax Hill, uh, there was a play. It wasn't as heralded as the obscene Metellus, I'm taking this ball, you're not having it interception, or when Lavert Hill ran the other guy's route. Uh, but the play where Dax Hill on that crossing route was able to stick with that slot receiver and bat it away, he's going to give us a chance on crossing routes that I don't think we really had before. Yeah, batting it away into an interception from, oh, yeah, that's from right. a player that's, right. that's been battling colitis and Ambry Thomas. <laughs> right? That's what I'm screaming, dude. So, yeah, it uh, it was a great game on the back end. Those guys that we mentioned already had great games and some other guys that I absolutely want to touch on because I have to eat crow here. Uh, in the last podcast, I literally said that I don't think we're going to be able to get pressure on Nate Stanley because uh, they had two NFL tackles in Tristan Wirfs and Alaric Jackson and I hadn't seen too much from Quiddy Pay, Aiden Hutchinson. I really liked what I'd seen with him, but both of those guys were balling, and they were in the backfield all day long. And uh, Quiddy Pay had two and a half sacks, and then he went out injured like in the third quarter. I mean, he could have had more. They were just eating their lunch all day. So those dudes really stood out to me. And uh, return of Michael Dwumfor may have helped them get free on the outside, but those two dudes were monsters Saturday. Yeah, not only are the NFL tackles. Kirk Ferentz is one of the best offensive line coaches ever. He was Bill Belichick's O-line coach with the Browns. Like, he'd been there with the master before. And, yeah, they just dominated. And also, not only did they get pressure, they got Nate Stanley to the ground. Nate Stanley is six foot thick. I'm talking 6'4", 243. But Don Brown says he looks even bigger. They say he looks Roethlisberger-esque back there. And you could see it in the game. You just don't realize how massive he is. And to get him down eight times after beating these tackles, that's unbelievable. Yeah, you're not lying. And, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier McGrone and what he brings as a blitzer. He, he had trouble getting Stanley down at one point. So, yeah, that's a big dude back there. So everybody was really carrying their weight. Kalik Hudson was bringing it. Uh, very happy to see that for him. That dude, uh, he deserves it. He's one of my favorite players on that defense and just on the team in general. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the defense at this point looks like they're going to be the bell cow and kind of carry the mouthpiece for this team. And that's honestly not that unexpected from Harbaugh teams up to this point. He's had great defenses and they've been asked to do a lot because let's face it, there's times this offense sputters in big moments, but the schedule sets up well. So you have a great defensive performance against Iowa and now you go on the road to Illinois with a chance for your offense to get in their groove. What Rutgers was to this defense as a bounce back game to find themselves is what Illinois is for this offense. It's a bounce back game and an opportunity for them to find themselves before facing Penn State. Spot on as always. So yeah, let's do it. Let's get into the offense. And I don't want to sit here and berate them. There's been enough of that on social media. And you know, we get it. It hasn't been great. The numbers aren't great. They back that up. We're like the 93rd overall total offense, 102nd rushing, 73rd in pass. I mean, it's not good. There's no denying that. But one thing I have noticed, and people keep coming up with outlandish reasons for why they think the offense is sputtering, by the way, like some people think it's because Harbaugh's wearing glasses now. But I do notice a confidence issue, and they even admitted it against Wisconsin when Ben Mason fumbled, that the team just kind of fell apart. And you see it again in this one. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, good punt return, puts the ball on the deck. Next play, Christian Turner, up the middle, pretty good run, puts the ball on the deck. Play after that, Shea Patterson throws a pick. Misses Eric All for a 5-8 to eight yard gain, trying to get it to Tariq Black. And after that, the offensive mojo is absolutely gone. So I do notice that when things go south for this team, they go all the way south. Or at least, at least on the offense. 
Yeah, the offense is mentally fragile. They feel like they're going to fall apart. It's like the quicksand effect. Once one bad thing happens, they try to work harder to overcome it, and then more bad things happen. So instead of trying harder, they just settled into complacency and allowed the defense to win the game. And what Shea Patterson needs to understand is that eight-yard throw to Eric All would have just kept momentum rolling, everything would have been fine, and all he has to do is manage the game. I don't mean that degradingly. You can be a successful game manager. Tom Brady was the first half of his career. Or you can manage the game and still lead game-winning drives and be a successful quarterback. You don't have to gunsling. You have one of the best defenses in football. Just take care of the football, make the right decisions, and don't be greedy. He got a little greedy, and then everything fell apart. Yeah, and I don't want to put it all on Shea Patterson, but that interception was all on Shea Patterson. And our running game wasn't off to a great start to begin with. And then after that, you know, we seemed to lack confidence to go down the field so they could just key in on our running game. And that could definitely be a concern moving forward because I'm pretty concerned that Shea Patterson is a one-read quarterback. He stands in the pocket. If his first read isn't there, he'll either wait too long for that person to come open or take off with it, which honestly he might need to do a little bit more of uh, because his best plays seem to be off schedule plays. And, you know, if we can't hit those deep routes and you were saying offline that after that nice 51 yard reception to Nico Collins, that uh, they probably played some more cover two and prevent. It's tough to tell watching the tape, but that's probably right. So they probably tried to take that away. That makes sense. Our running game wasn't getting going. So then all you have left is the intermediate routes. And uh, that's not Shea Patterson's game. The intermediate game was anemic. <laughs> anemic is putting it lightly. Like I, I compared them to the Browns before where they just have all this talent and they're trying to run deep routes and make the big play instead of just working complex short routes. And I feel like Michigan's one of the only teams that hasn't adapted to running just pick routes all the time. You have all this talent and a lot of teams are running man-to-man, just run pick routes or just run tight bunch formations with routes that are going to cross over into multiple zones and get a guy to make a mistake. And then you can split the difference and take advantage of it. I, I don't feel like it should be this difficult for this team. The offensive line has been playing better. They're still pretty sporadic. But even when Shea Patterson has time, he has happy feet, gets out of the pocket or does this and that, scared to run. And to your overall point, it feels like confidence. They don't want to screw it up and they're afraid to screw it up. So when they take a chance, they mess it up. They feel like they have to do too much. It's just all confidence to be less let's go get this money and more let's not lose this money i don't necessarily see any sort of killer instinct and that just might be where the the michigan offense is right now i mean if you can't lean on a running game uh, 13 carries for 42 yards and a touchdown for charbonnet I mean, against a good Iowa defense, but if you can't lean on your running game, you can't go deep. I don't know where the shot in the arm is going to come from at this point, and that's kind of my concern as uh, the gauntlet awaits us. So I have to ask this question, and I hate to do it because I know this is kind of the fan podcast, and we are no more than fans, and this is a lazy fan take. But I want to know, is it time to go to Dylan McCaffrey? Oh, man. Give me a first half of Shea against Illinois, and then we can start going there because the last thing you want to do is have Shea Patterson just teetering on confident, not confident, and then just completely take that away. Let's see what he can do one more one more go at it. Give him the first half here to really open up the offense. Tell him, hey, you're my guy. Go out here and let's take care of business and see what he does. If he goes out there and falls apart again, then yeah, you got to do what's best for the team. But it's always hard to be – 
the starter and have your job constantly just with the threat of being taken away from you. Like he knows he's playing bad. Just give him a half. Let him figure it out. Don't tell him, hey, if you play bad, we're going to put McCaffrey in there and see what he can do. First off, he has to get over his concussion and get out of protocol before we do any of that. And I won't even hear the Joe Milton argument right now. Let's no. settle down. Let's no. settle down. Easy, people. <laughs> so give me give me one more half, maybe even the whole game. Just see if he can get his mojo back. That's where I stand on this as well. And it's likely what we'll see. But I'm just becoming concerned that after 18 games, I think he's played there. Uh, he's no longer like getting the feel for things. I mean, what we see with Shea Patterson is what we're going to get. And I'm not a hater. I think that he's a lot better than some people give him credit for. But he's also turned the ball over in eight straight games. That's the longest streak in the Big Ten. And without, you know, any other help coming anytime soon, I don't know where we're going to get a shot in the arm. And if that's the case, and Shea Patterson's turning the ball over anyway, why not go with the kid that has the higher ceiling? I mean, he can run the ball for you. He's got a bigger arm. Maybe he's the shot in the arm. And this is kind of just a devil's advocate argument here. No, that's a great argument. I I have no retort to that. If it's, hey, you're going to turn the ball over anyway, might as well see what we can do. I'm completely fine with that. So if they went one way or the other, they're going to have the better read. It's all about the mental makeup of Shea Patterson. That's all what it comes down to. But this quarterback is not the same one that last year at Michigan State, after getting your head beat in, playing Michigan State's type of sloppy game, goes out there and completes that ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's just not the same person. No, it doesn't seem that way. And you mentioned last week that you didn't think he had the confidence to ask the homely waitress from the Sizzler to prom, let alone lead Michigan to the promised land. So I don't know where that shot in the arm is going to come from. And, you know, we're in a unique situation, and I know it's lazy as the fan to clamor for the backup, but we happen to really like our backup and what he brings to the table. I mean, heck, we like our third stringer. And I'm not necessarily advocating for it, but if it's confidence you want, the dude is a freaking McCaffrey. I'm pretty sure he pours it on his cereal in the morning. It courses through his veins like whiskey through mine. So, <laughs> uh, to the, Talking about the offense, can I have a second to just defend Jim Harbaugh's postgame comments? Because they seem to just piss everybody off. Yes, please, by all means. So, one... He's not just going to come out there and tear apart his offense after a win. This team needed to win. They beat a good team. He's not going to come out there and just be like, yeah, we were, we were awful. No, this offense was better. They didn't snowball and just completely fall apart. Yeah, they were stopped, but they let a drive late in the game with a chance to put it away, and Jake Moody missed the field goal. Like Eventually, they got it together for a little bit, but this offense didn't turn it over five times. They didn't just completely shatter like they had. Yeah, they put the governor on the engine and restrained them for safety's sake. But yeah, he made the right decisions for the most part. It, he wasn't helped by Nico Collins running three yards instead of four. There were different factors. The offense wasn't great. It's not what we were promised. And I think that's what most people are mad about. But there was least improvements overall. I see that. And then like Jim Harbaugh is going to go internally and confront this team and make, challenge them to be better. He's not going to come out after an emotional win and just be like, man, that offense sucked. I'm going to talk about the defense right now and how good they were. That's what matters. Yeah, that's spot on. I mean, dude's not going to come out there and just be like, well, that was trash. I think we can all agree on that. That's just yeah. that's not how coaches operate. They're not going to throw their players under the bus like that. I'm sure he knows the statistics, whatever it is, 93rd in offense, I believe. I mean, he, he knows all that. I mean, he sees the product on the field as much as we do. And if he's to say that we're close, I mean, who am I to say that we're not? 
he knows his team better than I do, and I think there's a ton of talent on that offense and that they probably could flip the proverbial switch. It is within them to do that somewhere. So maybe they are close, and maybe that's you know a move to McCaffrey that helps get that, or maybe it's something else. I don't know what else it could be, or maybe they're just waiting to get over that hump. But uh, I'm, I'm not going to be the one to say that they're not. Yeah, he could mean they're close just by if Shea Patterson doesn't throw that interception, the mojo's never broken and they just keep rolling. One play, I would say that's close. Yeah, that very well could be the case. And if you had to take one play off the board, that's probably the one you're taking off. Uh, say they score in that drive, then all of a sudden it's 17 nothing at the end of the first or beginning of the second, whatever that was, I forget. But it's a vastly different ball game. You might put a stranglehold on that thing early with how that defense was playing. So maybe they are close. Like I said, I'm not going to be the one to say it. One thing I will say, though, is that at this point in the season, from what I have seen and what the trajectory looks like, I think we maybe did like a panic move with the whole fire Pep Hamilton and get uh, Josh Gaddis in there, and maybe this offense would have been better if we ran it back with Hamilton and Harbaugh. I don't know. What do you think about that statement? Yeah, this feels like all of us just getting the grass isn't always greener treatment. At the end of last season, we were begging for it. We need change. We need to innovate. Yeah, we do. We do need to change some things. But this full-scale panic move that it now seems like to give it the keys to a new young guy feels awful. Like, it feels bad. I think if Michigan was running the same offense they were last year, they were competitive against Wisconsin, and we blow the doors off Iowa. As per usual, I agree with you. You run it back with that same offensive unit, and it's a vastly different game against Wisconsin, Iowa, Army. Yeah, you, you get the picture. But we got what we got, and we are moving forward against Illinois at Illinois. So when we come back, we're going to break down the fighting Illini. I don't know much fighting they're going to do, but they will be there. And we'll talk that and some of the Wolverines around the NFL and the Big Ten after this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are moving forward with our opponent breakdown. This week, Michigan travels to Champaign, Illinois to take on the 2-3 and three Fighting Illini. Their win's coming against Akron, who sits at number 129 in the ESPN Power Rankings, and UConn, who sits at 127. Losses against Minnesota, Nebraska, and Eastern Michigan, and honestly losses in respect and credentials as a Big Ten team in general. That being said, that's who's on the schedule, so let's talk about it, brother. Where do you want to start with Illinois? <laughs> Is this a more surefired win than Rutgers? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Is it close? It's definitely the easiest remaining game on our schedule. Uh, I mean, Illinois is just not very good. Lovey Smith is 11-29. and 29. They don't really show any signs of improvement at this point so far. And, I mean, he's a defensive coach, and they're near the bottom in defense, near the bottom in offense. They don't do anything particularly well. I'm not sure that Brandon Peters is going to be able to play, and they'll be fielding a redshirt freshman if he can't. It should be a beatdown. It's the third time Michigan will face a, a former Wolverine, uh, face Drew Singleton at Rutgers, faced Oliver Martin last week against Iowa. 
Now they're facing Brandon Peters, possibly. He's a little banged up. We'll see if he bounces back. I really hope he gets to play. Every Michigan player seems to root for him. They're still friends, you know. But you always want to beat up your friends. This defensive line was not allowed to hit him in practice. Wearing the red shirt, nice and safe. And now you get a chance to get your hands around him, hit him to the dirt a little bit. Oh, they're going to be champing at the bit. So it could be a long or even short day for Brandon Peters if he plays. Man, I don't know what kind of lunatic I'm podcasting with. I want to, like, buy my friends beers and help them find the loves of their lives. You want to fight them? We're not hanging out anymore. (laughs) Can't wait to see you at Ohio State weekend. (laughs) That's fine. I'm bringing brass knuckles. I fight dirty. I don't even care. But, uh, I mean, yeah, you you mentioned it, though. I mean, these guys are going to be getting after the quarterback. And the part of me that's a Brandon Peters fan still doesn't even want him to play because if you're coming back off injury and you're 85% or whatever and you're going against this defense that is clearly feeling itself right now, I mean, that's that could get ugly for him. And I don't want Aiden Hutchinson falling on me. I mean, that guy's the size of a Walgreens, or at the very least, as tall as one of their receipts. (laughs) He's bigger than most Walgreens. This man is a super center. He is enormous. And, you know, the defense has really come into their own. Cam McGrone, everybody, they're going to be throwing bodies at him. Khalid Hudson, your boy, 21st nationally in total tackles, just all over the place. So, good luck, Illinois. I don't know what your strategy is. They're going to try to do some things with their running backs, get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. The secondary is really coming on. Their press man is going to make that difficult. Does Illinois score 10 points, sir? Uh, if Peters starts, they might. He might be able to will them into some sort of you know frenzy with his hatred for Michigan. I don't know if that's a thing or not. But I don't, I don't believe that they will. If they do, it'll be towards the end of the game when it doesn't really matter. This defense has a ton of pride, too, so they want the shutout. It, and it very well could come to that. I just don't see him being able to get anything going. They're going to try and run the ball with Reggie Corbin. That's going to be tough now that Dwan Four's back. If it's not Peters, it's going to be the redshirt freshman, Matt Robinson, I believe. We haven't seen much from him. They don't have a ton of weapons on the outside. I just I think this is going to be over pretty quickly. Probably be decided in the first half, if not the first quarter. I mean, assuming our offense can get going. What do you need to see from Michigan to feel even the slightest, the tinge of confidence heading into Penn State well the problem is there's almost nothing you can do against Illinois that's going to make me confident against Penn State because it's Illinois that being said uh, we need to see a complete game I mean it almost has to be so I mean obviously the running game needs to improve uh, get true Wilson back involved split carries with Charbonnet see if you can get something going there see if we can get Shea Patterson past his first read see if he can you know break down a defense, you know, find the open man, wait in the pocket when he can, and when he can't, get out of the pocket and make something happen. I mean, there's a lot that can be taken from this game just because it's not a very good opponent. Uh, But the biggest thing, I think, is just seeing some confidence out of this offense. You know, remind them that they are actually filled with talent and can be good if they get their head out of their ass. Yeah, confidence, I'm with you, is the biggest thing. Confidence, rhythm. I would like to see this offense make a bad mistake and bounce back. That would make me feel the best. If they could have just the worst happen to them, find themselves down 10 to 3 or something, and my heart just going crazy, and my all the cigarettes I'm smoking just completely ruined my household. But I'd like to see the offense bounce back and beat them like 45 to 10 or something like that. Face some a little adversity in a game you know you can handle. That would be fantastic for this team. Go on the road. Michigan's been a not a good road team for most of the time. Why Harbaugh's been there, especially against better teams. 
Illinois is a bad team. Go there, face a little adversity, and come back and thump them. I'd like to see Michigan struggle a little bit and then just show some resilience for once offensively. Yeah, and this game comes at a really good time. I mean, you're getting an inferior opponent on the road at a time when you're feeling confident probably on one side of the ball, but less so on the offense. So this gives you a chance to kind of rev up the engines there. And uh, wanted to go a little further into the running game because, you know, I've discussed the, the problems that they've had there. We talked about some of the stats and, and how anemic it's been up to this point. Here's a great opportunity to get your run game going as well and maybe the run game to open up the pass game. So uh, Zach Charbonnet, I would love to see him get over 100 yards again. You don't want to wear him down because you need him for the upcoming schedule more than you need him for this game. But uh, True Wilson, who looked good in limited carries last week, I mean, I'd like to see him get some opportunities in this game and maybe just ride him to a victory in this one. I think we've written off True Wilson far too early as a fan base. He, oh, he's a walk-on. I don't care as long as he can play. I feel like every time he touched the ball in this game, he was making an impact. We know he can run block. We know he's protective of the football. And he's getting yards, even when the offensive line was struggling. So I'm all for True Wilson moving forward. Anything to help. Charbonnet's load. True Wilson knows what he's looking for. He knows the patience, just has the experience. So I'd like to see him have more of an impact in this game. Yeah, I don't care if you're the PR manager for Halliburton or if you're slinging roast beef sandwiches at Arby's. If you could contribute to the team, then then we need you. And that's definitely a place where we need a boon right now. And, I mean, you like that you can trust him in pass pro. He's not super elusive or necessarily the strongest guy in the world, but he'll get you tough yardage, and you know he's going to give his all every single time. So, I mean, that that's a guy that we could use right now, and he, he's going to help us moving forward. Yeah. All right, brother. Prediction. All right, then. Well, I just don't see a way where Illinois is going to be competitive in this one. The defense is really riding high for Michigan right now. I think they're going to ride their defense to a win here. Uh, I, I actually bet a little bit of money on this one. I bet that Michigan would get the under with a buddy just because I was really upset with their offense at the time. But uh, here I'm going to go with the over. I think Michigan going to get it done 35-6, and even those six points might come late in this game when uh, this thing's already settled. Players of the game, give me Khalid Hudson, my boy on defense. He's been coming on and on offense. Give me the O-line. Give me Bredesen and those boys. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go 38 to nothing. This defense has only given up three points the last nine quarters of football. I think they'd like to extend that streak to go for 13. Uh, as you recall, they shut out Wisconsin in the fourth quarter, uh, had the shutout against Rutgers. Gave up three points this game to Iowa. And I think they're really just going to impose their will and just overwhelm this team. What they did against Iowa's NFL caliber tackles and one of the best coached offensive lines in football was just dominate. This Illinois team is not that. They're going to embarrass them. I wouldn't be surprised if 14 of the points Michigan scores are from this defense. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to take that a step further. I'm going to say that Michigan does score a defensive touchdown. I'm going to call my shot here and go uh, Josh Metellus pick six. I like it. I'd say either Metellus scores or Cam McGrone scores on like a scoop and score. If he does it, he's going to score quickly because that dude is moving at Devin Bush-esque speeds. Don Brown said he'd like to see those two race. He says Devin Bush would still edge him out, but it would be close. That sounds about right. Yeah, he just flashes watching that tape and quickly rising the ranks as one of my favorite players. Uh, speaking of players, you got uh, players of the game for that one? 
Oh yeah, players of the game offensively, I'm going to go with True Wilson. I'm going to go with True Wilson. I've been kind of high on him this podcast. I'll continue that. And defensively, he's something like Aiden Hutchinson. I feel like it's a three-sack game for him. Oof, yes, feed it to me. Uh, he may be the best player on this defense. If you had to ask me gun to my head right now, I might say it's him. But I don't know. What do you think? I'm going Josh Metellus. He's just been just, I mean, either one I think is fine. But he's just been everywhere. And that pick was just literally like, Nate Stanley, this is mine now. That's it. God, that was such a dirty play. I rewatched that so many times. I mean, he just like Debo chain snatched him there, just decided it was going to be him. The Lavert Hill interception, uh, any one of the eight sacks from McGrone, Pay, Hutchinson, those guys. I mean, tough to pick a favorite play. Not to mention Mike Dana having to get just held in restraint not to make a sack at the end of the game. Right. Yeah, and there were a couple instances of that. That would have been nine. Uh, yeah, so very difficult to pick a, a best player on this defense. I mean, there's a couple guys you could pick and really couldn't go wrong there. And moving on, one look around the Big Ten. Uh, not much as far as upsets around the Big Ten last weekend. Thought we might get a test for Ohio State with Michigan State coming to town. That proved to be false. Uh, they did what they do, and they got it going later on in the game, and now they're playing alarmingly good defense under the tutelage of what I assume is 1,000 skins wearing the suit of a human in Greg Madison. <laughs> no, it looked like they were going to get a test for about a quarter, and then Ryan Day adjusted because he's probably the best play caller in the Big Ten now, and they just imposed their will. They ran the ball down their throat defensively. They smothered them. Ohio State's a juggernaut, man. It's one way or the other, that's just what they are. Penn State continue to roll. They'll get a test with Iowa this week, so we'll learn a lot more about those teams. But it uh, right now it looks like Ohio State, Wisconsin, and then everybody else. Yeah, you're probably right. Ohio State, Wisconsin, and then Penn State, who uh, you know continues to roll right along and improve every week. They're playing pretty good defense. But how about five and zero Minnesota? You know, coming off a, another win, and PJ Fleck rowing his stupid boat with his ridiculous outfits. But say what you will about the man, uh, he's got Minnesota looking pretty good with a fairly favorable schedule ahead of him. Yeah, 5-0, and oh, and the fact that they play Nebraska and Rutgers next, this team realistically is going to open up 7-0 and oh before they play Maryland, Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. So 9-10 wins is well within reason for this team, and a quick but kind of quiet turnaround right now. Good for Minnesota. Yeah, I harbor no ill will for Minnesota. I kind of just don't care about him, but I don't hate him either. And P.J. Fleck may annoy me, but that's neither here nor there. So that'll be an interesting test for us. We get him next year. Uh, but also wanted to circle back on Penn State because that's after Illinois, and I don't like to look ahead. But Penn State, you know, they're not going to get a ton of respect for beating a pretty, you know, beat down one in three Purdue team that's missing Rondell Moore and their quarterback. But, I mean, they look like an improved team, a better team than I thought they were going to be. Their defense has got some guys on it. And, uh, yeah, Penn State might be good, and that upsets me. It is a, it is a very good team. And uh, credit where credit's due, man. James Franklin has them playing really well. Say what you will about his coaching prowess, as I often have. It's well documented. Uh, this team's playing great on both sides of the ball. Uh, is it K.J. Hamler? Kid's a baller. He is just tearing everybody apart this season. Metellus manned him up last season in the slot. I would expect to see he and Dax Hill go at it in two weeks in Happy Valley. And the way our defense played this past week, Michigan can be in every game. And I think in Happy Valley, if they can take the crowd out of it early, a big play here, a nice hit, 
turn your head, Michigan's in the game. Oh, absolutely. Why not? And with the defense playing the way that they've been playing, yeah, a couple takeaways, big plays here and there, some consistency. It could definitely happen. I'm a believer, but, uh, you know, where we stand right now, you've got Illinois now. you got one more chance as a team to get things right, get your head right, figure out who you're going to be as a team, because this is the last cupcake. I mean, after this, it's time for the gauntlet, and we're, we're really in it then. Yeah, this is it. We're almost at the halfway point. It's time to figure out who we are. It's the last chance you're going to have, the last cupcake, as you said, and... I'm excited. Once we know who this team is, we know they can have their back against the wall and bounce back. We've seen them go and lay an egg as well. We've seen both sides of the coin. The offense can get even the 10% figured out. I'm going to feel much better about the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. A 10% improvement on this offense is going to make a world of difference because, I mean, look at where we were at last year and how many points we were putting up. And, I mean, we put up 29 against Ohio State. Do you think that this team is in position to put up 29 points against Ohio State right now at this juncture? This team can't score 20 right now against Ohio State. No, so you got to, you know, take the schedule as it comes, use this as an opportunity to get better, keep improving, and, uh, you know, all your goals are still out there in front of you. So uh, before we said goodbye tonight, wanted to touch on some Wolverines in the NFL. I don't know how close of a potential you've been paying to this, but uh, some Michigan dudes have been balling out. Devin Bush, interception, Chase Winovich, four sacks in five games. Uh, Peppers picked off Dwayne Haskins for a touchdown two weeks ago. Oh, man, I just... Feels good. Feels really good. It does, right? And it, it had been a while since we had uh, this many Michigan players in the NFL, and especially Michigan players producing. But you get a career day for Brandon Graham as well. And uh, how about Mo Hurst with a game-winning sack for Oakland? Love seeing that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice. It gives me a reason to watch football on Sundays where I normally wouldn't. Yeah, it's really hard to root for the Steelers, but Devin Bush is just arguably the most likable person walking the planet. So he's brought me around. And now he has gold teeth and some type of Afro mullet. So at this point, Devin Bush is our god. <laughs> I have no... Re- perfect. Devin Bush is my god. <laughs> and that's a perfect place to end it. Uh, any other thoughts from you, my brother? Go Blue. All right, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Brew at Andy underscore Bailey1 at Blue 87 Like, share, subscribe, and leave a review for all your shows and content where you get your podcasts by searching Maze and Brew Podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We will be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Closing Time hosted by our fearless leader, Anthony Broom. I am Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, Go blue.